You know I'm gonna get you, yeah, whatever it takes to. Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I am your host, Adam Castor, here as always with my co-host at Birdsall. You notice how I didn't say fantasy show. I'm going to bring this up every time I didn't say fantasy show. You, you, you held on to it, Adam. It was, it was like it was coming out. I, I, I could sense it. So very, very, very good job in terms of keeping fantasy show in. I am very, very, very proud of you. But you can say fantasy show on Monday when we talk about uh, free agency. And you have, yes. you have all permission in the world to say based on talk like this fantasy show. Well, I always do. But anyway, very exciting selection Sunday. We are coming at you basically like minutes within the hour of selection Sunday happening and the brackets are set as promised as promised and very exciting stuff. This is going to be a fun NCAA tournament. Yes. And I think upon, upon reviewing the brackets, I mean, I've, I've taken a couple of looks at, at this bracket already. There are a ton of very, very interesting matchups that we'll, that we'll get to as we, uh, as we, as we go along, but of course, more in depth, game by game uh we'll be doing with jake on tuesday when we do when we go break down our individual brackets but today's show is more of a general overview and things that kind of stand out with uh with the brackets in uh in general we won't be doing so much you know game picks necessarily but just you know giving more general information about about the brackets today yes exactly and it's interesting because it's funny that you say, or it's funny that you say that there are a lot of things to talk about, maybe even some contentious points with seeding, because there is every year. And it's the same thing with like the college football playoff when that is announced, where you always have a lot of uh, contentions about who should have made it, who shouldn't, or who shouldn't have made it, who should have made it, why are the seeding, why is the seeding this way, like that sort of thing. I, so, I have one yeah. of those. There is one team out of the 68 in this field where when i saw the brackets being unveiled live i said to myself how are they this seed and we'll get there we'll get there do they play in the state of of north carolina no no they do not they do not play in the state of north carolina and and when i say that they should not be this seed i'm talking they should be higher oh Yes. Okay. Yes, they should be. Because I'm sure people would be a bit miffed at a certain team that wears blue being a seed pretty high or being a two seed. Uh, yes. Yeah. And we'll we'll definitely talk a bit about Duke because they they yeah they're tricky. They're they're definitely a tricky one to uh, to analyze and and UNC as well. I think both both the Carolina teams are a little bit a little bit more difficult to, to to look at. Duke Duke I think being a bit more difficult because they are a a, a number two seed and based you know, on reputation good. it seems. <laughs> yeah, ba- based on reputation, based on reputation, absolutely. Well, listen, the college football playoff uh, makes selections based on reputation all the time. Sure, sure, absolutely. Why do you think Alabama gets in when they probably don't deserve it a, f- a couple of years? That's a fair point. That's a very, very yeah. fair point. Fuck Nick Saban. But anyway. Great guy. Okay. So let's start off with the West region, the top left of the bracket. And starting off with 
oh god if this is an upset holy shit the world will blow up yeah it's it's not it's not gonna be gonzaga georgia state uh drew timmy and and for me player of the year number one pick in this upcoming nba draft chet holmgren they, this, this that is who is going to carry gonzaga for the most part as they try and win themselves a national championship if they're going to go as far as drew timmy and chet holmgren take them georgia state a very very good defensive team the problem with georgia state is for as good as they are defensively they are absolutely awful uh on the offensive side and that is a really really big problem when you're really going to be in some sort of track meet with uh with with Gonzaga winners of the Sun Belt Georgia State they're going to have a real tough uh, real tough outing here again against Gonzaga. Yep, and Gonzaga looking to I mean they went on a great run last year making it all the way to the finals and they're hoping to get the job done this time. With, yes. I mean Drew Timmy returning he was ama- he's been amazing this year and like you said Chet Holmgren that just makes the you know the rich get richer in that yeah. regard. My my opinion, Chad Holmgren is is the best college player in the country. Yep. And the next matchup is eight versus nine, and this is something where I I believe it was either you or Jake talked about on the previous episode of the Basin Talk podcast. I do listen. I appreciate the shout out that you gave me. Uh, Boise State, a team that you really have high hopes on for this tournament and they're playing going up against Memphis. Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting game. Boise state, a team that started out three and four. And then when December hit, this is a team that's completely turned it around Went 21 and three, the rest of the way with only losses coming against Colorado state and Wyoming, by the way, both teams who are also in the NCAA tournament, Colorado state and, and Wyoming. This is going to be one of those, where Boise State is going to have to bring their A game against a Memphis team coached, by the way, by Penny Hardaway, who they were, if they were in in very similar sort of circumstances to Boise State to start the year, started four and eight. They were absolutely horrific. Then they turned it around, winning 10 of their final 11. Uh, Landers Nolly Jr., DeAndre Williams, Jalen Duran, really some of the key components of this Memphis team which have re- which has really turned it around, especially after losing Amani Bates to an injury in February. So you you bring this whole thing together. This is going to be a very interesting eight nine matchup uh, to start to start out. Which I mean, this is going to be if you're looking for an eight nine matchup, which truly is a 50 50, uh, This is it. This is it. Yeah, I think a lot of eight nine matchups are 50 50 because the seeds are so close together. Yeah, I mean they're supposed to be 50-50, but then you have some eight nine matchups like like I I mean I'm just looking at this one. I'll take this one as, as an example. North Carolina versus Marquette. I I think North Carolina is a better team than Marquette. So I, I think North Carolina, you know, will take care of Marquette. But to be to be quite honest, I don't know who wins between Boise State and, and Memphis. If I if I had to lean one way right now, I would probably lean Boise State. Just because the the, the romanticist in me, uh, the head coach for uh, for Boise used to be an assistant under Mark Few at Gonzaga. So if Boise State were to win, Gonzaga were to win, you would have Apprentice versus Padawan. Ooh, no. Yeah. Well, Master versus Master versus Padawan. Yes. Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me. Yes. 
All right, next matchup is number five, UConn versus number 12, New Mexico State. Yeah, UConn, UConn was a team that I, I definitely was, was going back and forth on for sure. I, I really wanted to see uh, how well they were going to fare in, in, in the Big East tournament. And they finished third. They finished third in the league. Not bad. You know, I think they definitely outperformed expectations for sure. Uh, the real, the where this is really going to matter for UConn is whether or not they're going to have Adama Sonogo uh, for them, who has an abdominal injury right now. We're not sure if he's going to be ready to go to, to start the tournament. They need Sonogo because he is such a presence inside as a 6'9 forward. They're, they're going to need him to be at best just on the floor and just to do something to really give them, uh, give them a chance uh, because going up against a New Mexico state team that, yeah, I mean, they, they can really, really shoot the ball, the Aggies. And I mean, this is a team where if you're looking for a team that could just completely just be lights out from three, this, this is the team. This is most certainly the team. And uh, Teddy Allen, who has just been, terrific the whack player of the year uh, he has been the real catalyst for new mexico state and if you're looking for a real 12-5 upset potential this could possibly be your spot yeah there are a lot of just based off the just just based off of the seating here you know there are a lot of potential for upsets and you know we always get upsets in the especially in the uh, round of 68 or 64 where it's just absolute chaos on Thursday and Friday, so it, it'll be interesting to see where the upsets uh, where the upsets lie. And a lot of the times, you know, you really can't predict it because who would have thought that Robert Morris would have uh, made it as far as they did last year? Yeah, it's true. All right, next one is number four Arkansas going up against number thirteen Vermont. This is a very interesting spot because very rarely does anybody really have the stones to predict a 13-4 upset. This could be one of those spots. Arkansas, they, they've been pretty good to end the year, but they just looked absolutely dreadful against AM in the SEC tournament semifinal. They were terrible from three. Arkansas just really strike me as, as a boomer bust uh, sort of team where, and by the way, Let's not forget that Arkansas lost to the best college team in the land. That is the Hofstra Pride. Roll fucking pride, baby. That's right. We beat. We did beat Arkansas. Can you believe it? Where we've come since then. Uh, but they're, go, they're going up against the Catamounts of, uh, of Vermont. And this is a team, again, that they have just been so good in the America East. Winning the America East. They were 16 and a half point favorites in the America East final and they absolutely rolled. They won by 31 and excuse me, 39, 39 math, 39 points against UMBC. And they were shooting, had been shooting 41% uh, from three in the league this season. And they're also one of the top defensive teams in the country ranking in the top 20 in defensive, defensive efficiency in the nation as well. So this is another potential spot for, for a uh, potential 13, four upset. Yeah, that's a, a very interesting, you know, Hofstra, unfortunately couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag. Hey, you know what? Tournament. You know what? I don't want to spoil anything going, going, uh, going further. 
But if we had, if we did win the CAA, we would have been drawn up against Jay Wright and Villanova. Yeah, no, I'm kind of, I'm like, oh, poor Delaware, but also fuck you. The romanticist <laughs> in me really wanted to see Hofstra go up against Jay Wright. Yo, it's actually funny. So uh, Nick, who I do the other podcast with, his sister went to Villanova. So that would be kind of interesting if it was Hofstra versus Villanova. I would, if I, if I were Nick, I would act like the, if that game ever happened, I would just act like there is no basketball game on that day. I would just say, oh, Hofstra playing? Who are they playing? Oh, that would be the upset You're of the century. Villanova? No way. I didn't know. I mean, can you imagine Hofstra's first win in NCAA tournament history? Would go came against Villanova. And Jay Wright might shed a tear. That matters Hofstra through and through. Yes, he the is man, Hofstra. The man is so Hofstra through and through, he made sure St. John's were sent packing in the Big East tournament. That is a Hofstra man right there. <laughs> he is. He certainly is. And I quote, I said it, I said it to a bunch of uh, St. John's people. And then I'm in a group, I'm in a group text with, I said, when this is when Villanova were playing St. John's and St. John's, St. John's was up by like 10. I said to them, I said, don't get too cozy. Hofstra, a Hofstra man, Jay Wright will not let St. John's win this game. <laughs> Lo and behold, I was, I was out of the group text by 11. Yeah. Not a shock. I'm telling you. Jay Wright was not going to let St. John's win that game. Come on now. He knows. He knows there is one true New York team, and it's not St. John's. No, it's not. It's not St. John's. John's. It's not Stony Brook. Nope. It's Hofstra. It's Hofstra. Roll pride. Okay, so this next one is dealing with a play-in game with the first four. So number number six, Alabama is going up against the winner of Rutgers versus Notre Dame. So you want to tackle the playing game first here? Sure. Sure. We'll ta- we'll attack this playing game. Uh that is going to be a very defensive uh playing game. Rutgers Notre Dame uh not exactly the most electrifying offensive units in the world. I think you're probably looking at for it's like first team to maybe 65 probably wins this game, which is kind of crazy coming from two teams that are going to be in the tournament, but very very efficient defensively and that's where I think you're going to see a, it's going to be a lot of hard nose, grinded out buckets. And that's what Rutgers and Notre Dame are, are both going to bring to the table. And, you know, whoever wins this game is going to go up against Alabama, who, uh, despite how good Alabama have been the second half of the year shooting, they are averaging about 56% from inside the arc, which is very, very good. It was surprisingly very good. Uh his team have also committed near a turnover nearly once every four offensive trips. That's not good. That is bad. So for as good as they are at shooting the ball, they also can't hold on to the ball either. And when you're going up against a team like Rutgers or Notre Dame, two teams that are absolutely capable of exploiting those turnover deficiencies, that could potentially hurt Alabama. Yeah, I mean, just based off of that, like whoever wins this, this could, this is probably the most likely... Ups- uh, listen, hot take, but this this is probably going to be an upset. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked either. I wouldn't be shocked either. I think I'd be more comfortable, and this is not predicting anything necessarily, but I would love this as an upset spot if it's Rutgers that beat Notre Dame and it's Rutgers-Alabama. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers also made a, a good run last year yep. in the tournament. So, yeah, I would. I, I like I said, I would love this spot if it's Rutgers. If it's Notre Dame, it's definitely more of a toss-up. 
Yeah. But I think I would still like it. I would still like it. Rutgers, I would absolutely like it. Yep. Next one in the Midwest is Big 12 runner-up Texas Tech going up against number 14 Montana State. I mean, uh, Texas Tech. Yeah. They're going to win, probably. I, I don't know if I would say that it's it's necessarily a shoe and because Texas Tech, again, is such a strong defensive unit, but they just have some issues. Well, they did putting... look shaky against Kansas in the final. Yes. Yeah, they did. And I think they got exploited for not being able to put the ball in the rack a little bit. And, and that's that's a little bit of, of a problem. But if you're looking at where their resume was entering the big 12 final against Kansas, which they uh, ended up losing, uh, they had a non-conference win versus Tennessee. Good because Tennessee is one of my favorite teams in, in, in this tournament. And they had a three and one record in four conference games against Baylor and against Kansas. So they, they checked the box. They checked the box as a really good number three seed, a very solid number three seed. But if they're going to have Kevin McCullough out with a sprained ankle, who's a 10 point per game, five rebound per game, and then he averages about one and a half steals per game kind of player, then that really kind of cripples Texas Tech a little bit uh, going up against the uh, the Montana State Bobcats, who winners of the big sky, very impressive, very impressive resume for, for Montana State. And what I think with them is they're a team that can score. They can score. They've won. They won 87 to 66 against Northern Colorado team six straight win to win the big sky. Now what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to slay the slay the dragon in, in Texas tech, a team that I know Jake and I both love. Uh, and hopefully uh, this will be, I, I think this is going to be a closer game than a lot of people think because of how Montana state can score, how Texas tech may have issues scoring. I think that's what can make this a little bit more of a contest than some people may think. Yeah, I think so. And there's always something that happens. I mean, this is the second time I'm saying this, but you know, there's always the possibility. And usually this does happen where you have a ridiculous team that comes out of nowhere upset where it's like, this has never happened before. You know, I can't remember an NCAA tournament where it was just, oh yeah, all the higher seeds won in the first round. You know, that you that usually doesn't happen. And like, they, yeah, you, you never you have to pick up sets. You have to. Yep, absolutely. Uh, next one is number seven, Michigan State. Jake's team going up against number 10, Davidson. One of my least favorite teams this tournament, Michigan State. They are just sloppy top to bottom. And I, I honestly, I think that this is probably one of the worst Tom Izzo teams that I can remember just watching, period. I've, I've watched enough, a lot of Michigan State, partially because of Jake, but but partially because I, I just want to see the Michigan State. They're one of the biggest names in, in, in college basketball. And you want to see what they, what they are about. Uh, but, you know, we talk about this with Jake all the time that you want to have momentum going into the tournament and the final weeks of the year, the Spartans really struggled ended the year, six wins, nine losses in the last 15 big 10 games. And that's after they started the year five and up, 
they they started the year really really strong and they ended really really poorly and for me this is just not one of the not one of the Tom Mizzo teams that I can really say is um is one of my one of my own personal favorites and they're going up against one of my favorite teams in the tournament in, in, in Davidson and this is a team that lives and dies by the three ball I know that I've said in the past that I am not a huge fan of that kind of smash and grab mentality. I mean, fitting for, I mean, it's fitting for Steph Curry's alma mater to live and die by the three ball. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they do it. They do it quite well. They led the Atlantic 10 with a 55% clip inside the three point line. And they were top 10 in the country in three point shooting with 38.6% make percentage from beyond the arc, which is... Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. They are lights out from beyond the arc. And against a Michigan State team, which is young, is very inexperienced. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember when I was watching the, the, the reveal show before, I sat, I sat back and I was like, I saw Michigan pop up, Michigan State pop up. And I thought to, in my head, I said, ooh, this could be a really good spot if they have Davidson as a 10. This could be a real good matchup for Davidson. And I saw Davidson pop up. I literally jumped off my couch and said, yep. All right. Davidson's winning that game. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of momentum and, you know, going into the tournament on a high note, it seems a bit like Duke kind of backed in to the tournament. Big time. Big time. And, Duke is going up against Cal State Fullerton, number 15, Cal State Fullerton. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Duke should have been a two seed in this tournament? Nope. Nope. No, I mean, I'll I'll spoil it now. I think Tennessee is a better team than Duke. I would have put Tennessee as a two seed and Duke as a three, quite honestly. And it's, it's not like we could say that Duke, you know, they won the ACC and that's, and that's why they're a two. They lost in the ACC championship. They lost to Virginia Tech, who, by the way, and we'll get to Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, as winners of the ACC as an 11 seed, suggests to me that if Virginia Tech did not win the ACC championship against Duke, they wouldn't be in the tournament. So they had to win that game in order to, in order to get in. They won the game. They got in. And Duke is, is still a two. To me, I don't understand why Duke are a two versus Tennessee, who are a three. To, to be to be quite honest, it, you know, it, kinda, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It seems like they just wrote their brackets Saturday morning, and they're like, "We're not going to check them," and they just released, and then they just released it on, like Sunday night tonight. Because I agree with you. Like, you're in a conference like the ACC for Virginia Tech to not only make it all the way to the NCAA or the ACC tournament final and win and upset Duke. And for them to only be an 11 seed is pretty, pretty nuts. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. And, they're, and now Duke is going up against a Cal State team who just beat the top seeded Long Beach State in the Big West tournament title game on Saturday, their second trip to the NCAA tournament. Uh, the Cal State t- uh, Titans are very, very good from the free throw line. That's something that Duke have to be very, um, very mindful of. They shoot about 76% from the line and they are a very, very good 
uh, offensive team in terms of being able to get to the line as well, because they know that's a strength of theirs. They know they can get to the line. They know they can make their buckets from the line. And that's where Cal State will be able to make their money and hopefully keep things a bit closer versus versus Duke. And I, th- I think they will. I think they will. Yep. All right. Moving on to the East region. This is the bottom left of your bracket. And we will start off with the defending champions. Number one, Baylor going up against number 16, Norfolk State. Yeah, Scott Drew, the returning national championship coach for the Baylor Bears, back as number one seed in the NCAA tournament, and they are looking to defend their national championship ground. And I, I give the Baylor, I give Baylor a lot of credit too, because they are dealing with a couple of injuries. And the fact of the matter is that Baylor is still kind of chugging along despite these injuries. And, and I think it's a real credit to the depth that Baylor definitely brings to the table. And I, I definitely expect Baylor to be making a, a deep tournament run uh, once again, going up against uh, going up against Norfolk state who th- they've been plagued by COVID interruptions, but they still managed to get to the NCAA tournament. And, and that's, you know, fair play to them. They beat Coppin state in their tournament championship. They get the automatic bid. And now their their prize for that is they get to play Baylor in the first round. Good luck. Yep. All right. Number the next matchup here is number eight North Carolina going up against number nine Marquette. Shaka Smart making his return to the NCAA tournament. I mean, he was with Texas last year, but like still, you know, now he's back at a at a smaller school, back in the Big East, honestly. Yeah. With with Marquette. And I remember, it seems like forever ago when Shaka Smart took his VCU team all the way to what was it, the Elite Eight? The Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And this is another great example of a, of a team that really, really caught fire. Because not too long ago, we were talking about North Carolina potentially being on the tournament bubble. And now they're very, they're very much in the tournament as, as an eighth state going against uh, this Marquette team. And, you know, if, if you need to know what the North Carolina team are all about right now, Go back and watch the last home game for Mike Krzyzewski at Cameron Indoor and just watch that game of how North Carolina absolutely took it to Duke. And if you want to know what North Carolina are, they are an offensive juggernaut in in every sense of the word, but they have to be able to put it in consistently and not get themselves into foul trouble. That is the most important thing with North Carolina. They get into foul trouble. That's when they get themselves in trouble. And that's when games stay close. And that is how I think Marquette have an opportunity to potentially win this game. Not to mention, like you said, Adam, Shaka Smart. He's been there before. He's done it with BCU. He led the Rams to the Final Four in, in 2011. I mean, this is nearly 11 years ago. 11 years ago is when we first heard of Shaka Smart. And, and now, now here he is uh, back, with, back with Marquette, back in the Big East. And this is an efficient offensive team. And this is a team that is really going to bring it to North Carolina. Uh, They finished with the most efficient offense inside the three-point line in the Big East Conference. They connected on 37% of their three-point attempts as well. But the problem with Marquette is for as good as all these numbers are, they've also lost to St. Bonaventure, and they lost to DePaul. So which Marquette team is going to show up? That's why I think North Carolina is a better team than, than Marquette. Yes. And let's have an, a little football interlude, shall we? 
Sure. We have some news. Okay. Cousins. Yeah. Signed a one-year, $35 million, fully guaranteed contract extension with the Vikings. Wow. Yep. Woo. Okay. So that puts him under contract through 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they yeah. have they have their they have their uh, they have two years now to find their uh, find their next quarterback, or hope it's or hope it's Kellen Mond. Maybe they don't think it's Kellen Mond, and that's why they signed Kirk Cousins to this deal. Or they don't think it's Kellen Mond yet. True. Maybe they don't think it's Kellen Mond yet. Possible. Yes. So football interlude over. Let's get back into this. Another play-in game. Wyoming and Indiana. Battling it out for the 12th seed. What? This is going to be an unbelievable game. Wyoming I thought I said and... something weird. Oh, no, 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 no. This is going to be an unbelievable game between Wyoming and Indiana. Mike, the Mike Woodson Hoosiers going against the Wyoming Cowboys. Josh Allen versus, versus Mike Woodson. Which king, which king's alma mater is, is going to win this? But... I love Mike Woodson. I adore Mike Woodson. I really, really do. And what the job that he's done with Indiana this year, I, I get it, I give him full credit. And they they would not have been in this tournament if they did not make the run that they did in in the Big Ten tournament. They they would not have been here. So the fact of the matter is, is that they were able to beat Michigan. They were able to beat Illinois. And that got them into this spot of being in a playing game. In, in the tournament. So, I mean, fair, fair play to, uh, to, to Indiana. And with Wyoming, they, they just shoot. They shoot and they shoot and they shoot. They're one of the most talented offensive teams in the entire country. This is going to be truly an outstanding watch. And in my opinion, this is the play-in game to watch. You cannot miss this Wyoming and Indiana playing game. This game is going to be very, very, very good. And the winner will go up against St. Mary's. And St. Mary's, what are they known for? They're known for being the uh, the little brother to, uh, to Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference. And, you know, for as much as much press and coverage as Gonzaga get, St. Mary's, they, they, are no, they are no slouch. And, and Randy Bennett won Coach of the Year in the West, in the West Coast Conference, despite Mark Few leading Gonzaga to a one-loss conference season with mostly lopsided wins. So it just goes to show you the job that Randy Bennett has done at St. Mary's. And Well, you know, I feel like those Coach of the Year awards, sometimes it's not the best coach in the league. It's the, the coach that surprised most people. I mean, people say that about the Jack Adams Award in the NHL all the time. It's not the best coach in the NHL. It's the... Well, which team actually turned out pretty good this year that we thought was going to be terrible? Sure, but the stats also back it up for St. Mary's. Top 10. I'm not taking anything away, but like, you know, people expected Gonzaga to kind of roll through the West Coast Conference with the the season they had. It's the play of St. Mary's, though, which which I think is why Randy Bennett got got that honor. I mean, they're a top 10 defensive team in the entire country. They held Gonzaga to... Under sixty points on February twenty sixth. Adam, do you know do you know the last time that Gonzaga was held to under sixty points? 
Absolutely not. I do not know that. 2018-2019 in the West Coast Conference Tournament. So it has been four years. Who is it against? Do you know? Um, it was against St. Mary's. Wow. What a shock. It's against St. Mary's. Yeah. That makes sense. Four years. Four years since Gonzaga were held to under 60 points and St. Mary's were, were able to do it. This is a, Both times? A, both times. Yep. Both times. And this yep. is... This is a really, really impressive St. Mary's team, and they are going to absolutely smother you defensively. So that's something that both Wyoming and Indiana will have to be on the lookout for. Yep, exactly. All right, so next one is UCLA, number four UCLA, going up against number 13 Akron. UCLA, the Johnny Juzangs. This, this, this is how the Bruins are going to go far in this tournament, and they made a miraculous run of the Final Four last year as an 11 seed before, of course, Jalen Suggs beat them at the buzzer, a buzzer beater. They'll probably be shown on highlight reels for the next 150 years. If we are all, uh, if we're all lucky, but UCLA, they're a tricky one because they're very hot and very cold. Um, I'm going to be very, very interested to see how UCLA fare especially going up going up against Akron, who they kind of had a, a bit of a miracle run uh, of sorts uh, getting to the NCAA tournament. I think with, with the Zips, I think that UCLA is going to be a little bit of a tough ask for them, but I'm going to be very, very curious, you know, if UCLA get by and then if UCLA have to go up against I think if they match up against Wyoming, I think then UCLA can handle them. But I think if it's Indiana or St. Mary's, that could be a very interesting matchup for UCLA to have to navigate. Yeah, and they had a tougher time in the Pac-12 championship against Arizona. Yes, yes, they did. So, yes, they did. Yep. Uh, and Arizona. But to be fair, though, to be fair to UCLA, Arizona only only won that game because they went on a late run. That's true. Yep. So it really was a game of runs that UCLA Arizona game. To be fair, and yeah. I am not the biggest UCLA guy. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. In that regard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So next matchup here is number six Texas going up against surprise number eleven Virginia Tech. Yep. This has upset written all over it. Um, it does, it does, and it doesn't. Uh, Texas, uh, again, another top 15 team defensively in the nation. Chris Beard has his boys playing some tough, tough basketball. You look at this Texas Longhorns team, the problem with them is that they're led by Timmy Allen, a very good player, but he's a very good player on a team full of good and very good players. They don't have that one game changer, and, and that's the problem with Texas that I think a lot of people are going to have is that there isn't that one guy that people are going to go and go back to and say, yeah, it, if we need a big bucket, we have that guy. Texas doesn't have that. They're going to need a collective effort here if they're going to get by uh, Virginia Tech, who, like we said, they got into this, this tournament for one reason and one reason only. They beat Duke in the ACC championship game. Granted, Duke, they kind of been skating by over the last couple of weeks. They have not been the same Duke that a lot of people know, and I give full credit to 
Virginia Tech for getting into this tournament because they needed to find a little bit of a run in the ACC tournament. They got it. They got the tournament win. They're in the tournament now, and they have a real chance to knock off Texas. They, they really do. Yeah, and you can think about the NCAA tournament like any other playoffs where the team that comes into this, like, like regardless of what you did during the regular season and even what you did during conference tournaments, but teams that go in on a tear who have, who have momentum on their side I'm picking them any day, every day of the week over an established regular season team. You got in that clo- right. In a close game. You got that you know, right. Obviously, if you have, like, I don't know, if, for example, I don't know if this happened. I don't think it did. But, like, if, for example, Norfolk State or State went on a 10-game winning streak before the NCAA tournament, I'm still not picking them over Baylor. But in a matchup like this where it's Texas and Virginia Tech, where Virginia Tech probably shouldn't be an 11 seed anyway, I think that they're right for the picking as an upset. I think they're going to be a popular upset pick for a lot of people doing their brackets. Also because of the recency of basically as we're recording this last night where Virginia Tech beat Duke, you know, people are still thinking about that. People are going to look at Virginia Tech. They saw they beat Duke and they're going to say, oh, Virginia Tech must be good and have them to beat Texas. I would just say be very mindful of Texas because Texas are not a team that's going to roll over to Virginia Tech. They're not going to. Yep. All right, so number three, Purdue, going up against number 14, Yale. Uh, Purdue, one of my favorite teams in, in this in this tournament with one of my favorite players in college basketball as well, and Jaden Ivey, one of the quickest players in college basketball, is projected number five pick in the NBA draft right now. Purdue has the potential here to, to make a deep run in this tournament. Top 30 and adjust, adjusted offensive, offensive efficiency in the nation, but – they're only a hundredth in adjusted defensive efficiency. So for as good as they are on the offensive end, they do give up points uh, on the defensive end. So that's something that is definitely going to have to be uh, worked out uh, for, for the Boilermakers. And I mean, if you look at the results that they, that they have, they have four real quality wins under their belt against Villanova, against North Carolina, and they've swept both Illinois and Iowa. And all these teams are in the tournament. So if you're looking at, a team that, you know, as a sleeper team that could make a little bit of a run, uh, Purdue could be could be a real good shout to to be that team going up, up against the the winners of the Ivy League and, and Yale. It's going to be a little bit of a, of a, of a challenge, isn't it, for uh, for Yale? I would have really been interested uh, to see Princeton uh, get this spot if they had won the Ivy League over Yale. Yale had beat Princeton. So Yale gets the spot, but Purdue versus Princeton would have been very, very, very interesting. Uh, but for Yale, uh, this is a team that is really led by guard Azar Swain. And when he's on the floor, he makes a difference. Yale has made 52% of the shots of their shots from inside the arc when Swain is on the floor. Swain averages about 19 points per contest. So he's going to be he's going to have to be the driving force behind Yale if they're going to try and keep this close and potentially get the upset over the Boilermakers. Yeah. And this next matchup, the seven and 10, this is a team that you also really like. I love Murray state. I love both these teams. I love Murray state. I love San Francisco. This, this is going to be an unbelievable game. This game right here might be first to 80 to be quite honest. Really? Yes. That is how good offensively 
both of these teams are. If you're looking for a game, I don't care what the over is. Bet the over for Murray State and San Francisco. There are going to be points scored in this game. Lots and lots of points. And people are going to go and they're going to leave with Murray State because of the recent history with John Morant. And got it. Got it. But Which can't... doesn't really make any sense because he doesn't play for them anymore. People, people are going to hear the name Murray, Murray State. The ones that aren't as you know as you know heavily invested in college basketball, people are going to see Murray State and they're going to say, "Oh, Murray State, John Morant." Oh, okay, boom, and they pick Murray State. I urge those people: just be careful when you do it. Just be very, very careful when you do it, because San Francisco is a very good offensive team as well. And like I said, this is going to be a game of first team to get to eighty wins this game. The resume is not spectacular with San Francisco. So you can't look at them and say, this is a team that has quality wins under their belt. They don't, they don't, but what they do really, really well is score. And that is where it matters. And by the way, it also helps that not only is San Francisco ranked top three in the West coast conference in offensive efficiency, they are also ranked top three in defensive efficiency and going into uh, the NCAA tournament, they are ranked top 30 nationally in defensive efficiency. But again, still, this is a game that's going to be first to 80. All right. And the last matchup of the East region, we're looking at number two, Kentucky, as you said, future coach of the New York Knicks, John Calipari. The Knicks developmental team. Yeah. And also the Knicks developmental team, the G League team. The G League the team, Knicks, the New York Knicks, yes. Is the Kentucky Wildcats. It's not yeah, the correct. Westchester Knicks. It's the nope. Kentucky Wildcats. Absolutely. Absolutely yep. right. Yes. And they're going up against St. Peter's. Yeah. This, this should be a real opportunity to, to, to sort of gauge what kind of team Kentucky are going to be. And I go very, I go back and forth on, on, on Kentucky where I see them and I say to myself, oh, yeah, they look they look real good. They look like a real force. And then I look at them and I just say, I say to myself, oh, dear God, you know, they, they are a young team. They're raw. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of talent on, on this Kentucky team. But I, I just look at this, this, this section of the bracket for them, and they, it's going to be a real test for, for Kentucky if, if they are going to get out of this. And and I, I they're gonna have they're gonna really be tested big time, and it, it does start with St. Peter's. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna say it. this is gonna be a walk in the park for for Kentucky. St. Peter's another very very good uh, defensive team. Uh, they are one of the best defensive teams that is really really slept on. And um, Saturday in their uh, in their conference tournament game against Monmouth, they held Monmouth. Listen and listen to this. This this, this is kind of crazy. They held Monmouth to 44% shooting. In their last seven games, they have held their opponents to under 45% shooting in every single one. Wow. That is a ridiculous defensive team. Ridiculous defensive team. Now, I'm not saying that Monmouth are the same level as Kentucky. They're, they're not. But still, that is just that is the level of defensive efficiency that we are talking about 
with St. Peter's. And that is how they can cause some problems for a team like Kentucky. Yeah. And the thing for Kentucky is that you were talking about their, like their path going forward in this bracket. It's not going to get any easier after St. Peter's. I mean, they'll, they'll be facing the winner of Murray state versus uh, San Francisco. And then whatever happens there, they can face the winner of Texas versus Virginia tech versus Purdue versus Yale. If that makes sense. Yes. Yes. But you know, that's, I mean, they could be potentially facing after St. Peter's, they could be facing Murray state or San Francisco and then have to go and play Virginia tech or Purdue or Texas. I mean, that's yeah. Like I said, like it's a tough path. It's a really tough path. And then especially as you go even further, if they end up facing somebody like Baylor or UCLA or North Carolina or Marquette, you know, this is going to be really, it's going to be a tough road for Kentucky to get out of this bracket if they want to get to the final four. Agreed. All right. So going into the South region, we have number one, Arizona going up against number 16 is a play-in game as well. Wright State versus Bryant. I mean, I don't know. Do you want to, do you have anything on this play-in game? Cause I'll tell um, you what, I haven't heard of these two universe. Like, listen, this sounds unprofessional, but they're very, very uh, small schools or lesser known schools in the college basketball realm. Well, Bryant, Bryant are a legitimate, legitimate team. They, they could score. I mean, they put up 70 points against Wagner in the Northeast conference title game. And of course that whole game, that whole game was, was marred by the whole fight that happened in the stands and everyone's going to talk about that, but yeah, Brian, Brian can really put the ball uh, in the bucket. Now I'd be very curious to see how they match up uh, versus Wright state who they won the horizon league. That's how they get into the tournament. They're another very good offense, offensive team. They average about 55% from inside the arc, uh, Tanner Holden averages about 19 points per game. Uh, Grandpa Seal averages about 18.5 points per game. Trey Calvin's about 14.3 points per game. So Wright State has guys that can, that can put the ball at the bucket. So Wright State versus Bryant's be a very interesting playing game. Uh, there'll be no match for for Arizona. One one of my favorite teams, and I think if there's if there's a number one seed that I could see winning this, I, I think Arizona could be that team. With no disrespect to to Gonzaga. Gotcha. Okay. But Gonzaga or Gonzaga. Yes. And honestly, I mean, also no no disrespect to Baylor either. Because Baylor, you know, they could definitely repeat as champions if they... But see, I have my my questions about Baylor. I I do have my questions about Baylor. Okay. I mean, just the depth and the experience of maybe not the players as much, but of coach Scott drew, you know, I think that Baylor has a chance. You know, oh, absolutely. There. Yeah. I mean, every number one team has, has a chance, whether it's Kansas, whether it's Arizona, whether it's Baylor, whether it's Gonzaga, the number one teams for a reason, but out of all the number one teams that I've seen, who have I been most, most impressed with as the season has, has gone on it for me, it's Arizona. But I think I think it also says more of I'd ex- I would expect Gonzaga to just run over everybody. So I don't know necessarily how I could say that I'm impressed with with Gonzaga when the expectation of Gonzaga 
is that they are just going to run over absolutely everybody in their path and and that's where Arizona comes in, comes into play. I'm a big I'm a oh. big 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 fan. Next matchup here is 8 versus 9 Seton Hall going up against TCU. Again, if we're looking for a team that's hot at the right time, Seton Hall is that team going into the Big East tournament. Seton Hall 8 and 2, they're getting hot at the right time. The Pirates made just about 44.3% of the shots from inside the arc, which is second to last in terms of Big East teams, last being last place, DePaul. So if, if you're looking for something to really hang your hat on with Seton Hall, is very, very boomer bust. you got to hope that the Seton Hall that, that we've seen over the last 10 games is the Seton Hall that shows up against a TCU Horn Frogs team that really do have the same offensive issues as Seton Hall does, only they're pretty good from inside the arc. It's outside the arc where they have their problems. They are a 30% three-point shooting team during the regular season, but they have three quality wins on their resume against teams who are very, very good and very, very Noteworthy Oklahoma, Iowa State, LSU, Iowa State, LSU in this tournament. The problem with, with TCU is that they also have the complete opposite of Seton Hall, where Seton Hall is coming to this tournament playing really well. TCU in their last nine, they're three and six. It's a very turbulent looking TCU team. And, you know, I, I think you knew of Seton Hall that are kind of trajectorying upwards, and then TCU who are trending downward you have the potential there for, for Seton Hall to maybe take this one in, in a really, really good 8-9 matchup. I think this is going to be a, a defensive a defensive battle where it's going to be who could make a shot at the right time. Yeah, and this next matchup is also going to be pretty good. Uh, number five, Houston going up against number 12, UAB. And Houston also, another team that had a really good run last year in the tournament. And I think that, you know, they get they got the number five seed. Think they're deserving of that, and this should be an interesting matchup. What do you what do you got for this one, Bird? I want to say that Kelvin Sampson has probably had his best coaching year of his career this year, and that completely surpasses the job that he did with last year's team that made it to the Final Four, because they have been down Marcus Sasser and Traymon Mark for basically the entire year they lost them both at around the six to eight week mark of the season and the fact that Sasser Mark two of their best players have gone down and the Houston Cougars still continued as you know business as usual that is just an unbelievable job by Kelvin Sampson who really is just he is an unreal coach and I have to give credit where credit is due to Jake because I was not a big Houston guy before last year. But Jake had said he was a big Houston guy. So I really started to watch Houston more and more. I am in love with this team. I'm in love with the program. And if you're looking for a team that is defensively so strong, Houston's that. Looking for a team that is going to battle through anything. They've faced adversity all year long. That's it with Houston. The problem is, is that you're also going to have games like 
they had against Memphis, where Houston got blown out of the building. They lost by 14 points to, to Memphis. So while I think that Houston are going to be they're, – they're going to be good, and I think they're going to beat uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham. Shout out to all my people in Birmingham. Um, I, I, I think that Houston are going to be in for a little bit of a tough ride given they got really drawn into a very, very, very tough region of the bracket where, to be quite honest, I can see four teams winning in the south region of the bracket. I, I Truly, I can. That is just how loaded this side of the bracket is. Yeah. I mean, we talked, or I talked about how Kentucky has a really tough path outside of the eastern bracket but the south bracket is nothing to uh, sneeze at either and you know you have teams like tennessee ohio state loyal chicago villanova arizona seton hall tcu houston i mean colorado state you know this is a really 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 stacked bracket yeah this is a stacked region absolutely stacked but houston houston had the talent to uh to make some noise in the side of the bracket. I really think so. Yeah. And speaking of one of those top teams, Illinois going up against Chattanooga four versus 13. Yes, bird. I saw you just shaking your head. Like you were like, why are we talking about this team? I'm going to spoil this right now. Chattanooga beat Illinois. Ooh. Here's your 13, four upset folks. Here it is. Okay. It comes down to Malachi Smith. He is one of the most underrated players nationally that nobody talks about. Everyone gives Kofi Coburn his credit with Illinois, and and rightfully so. Kofi Coburn is a very, very good player. Malachi Smith for Chattanooga is a top 20 scorer in the entire country. He averages over 20 points per game. He averages over 41.5% from behind the arc added the contributions of Kansas transfer Silvio D'Souza as well, who stint in Lawrence was controversial for sure, but he has been very, very productive in Chattanooga with the Chattanooga mocks. And yeah, yeah. You're, you're looking for a 13, four upset to really, you know, get catch one on some people in your bracket pools, folks. This is it. This is it. Chattanooga will beat Illinois. All right. Well, I'm holding you to that. Yep. Hold me to it. Hold me to it. Not a problem. Because now it's recorded. Yep. We got Hold me to it. I'm not cutting that out. It is on the record for forever. Chattanooga are going to beat Illinois. Fantastic. All right. Next one is Colorado State versus Michigan. Six versus 11. Colorado State number six. And so... What do you look? What are you looking at with this team? I mean, Michigan. Michigan's interesting. Very. They have a lot of. There was a lot of controversy with the Jawan Howard incident that followed the team at the end of the regular season, where Jawan Howard wasn't even coaching for the end of the regular season for the last couple of games. I mean, what do you make of this matchup here? Um, I look at this as a team in Colorado State that's going with an individual in Hunter Dickinson for Michigan. Hunter Dickinson is what makes the engine go for Michigan. If he's on, Michigan have a chance to win any basketball game. If they don't, then they're out of it. 
plain and simple. Colorado State have an abundance of weapons on offense, namely David Roddy and Isaiah, Isaiah Stevens. Both average over 15 points per contest. Roddy averages about 46% from three. He gets going. Michigan State are going to have a real problem on their hands. I think everything that's happened with Jawan Howard has kind of been an unnecessary distraction for, for the Wolverines. And not to mention, they were destroying Indiana. And they let Indiana back into that game. I, I don't even want to say that it was Indiana that won against Michigan. I think Michigan lost to Indiana. They completely lost that game in the big, in the big 10 tournament. And that is something that really, really concerns me when I look at Michigan going forward. Yeah. I don't blame you for that because any team that gives up a late lead like that, even though it is to one of the greatest coaches in the big 10, Mike, Mike Woodson, it's still, it's a cause for concern. It really is. It is. It's a huge concern. It's a huge, huge, huge concern. And for, for me, I, I, and this is, again, I'm putting all Ohio State bias aside. Now, people, some people are going to say, oh, just because you like the Buckeyes. No, 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 no. This is, I, this is my neutral hat. I have my neutral hat on. Michigan worried me in a big, big way. Well, we will get to Ohio State in a second. Oh, we will. We will. Because all the Ohio, Ohio State people who are saying, oh, you're only talking about it because it's Ohio State. You're not going to like what I have to say. Because I, I, might, I might disprove your theory. Yeah, you're not going to like what I have to say either. Because I'm probably going to agree with you. Mm-hmm. We're, I think we're going to be the same boat on that one. Yep. But before that, we have number three, Tennessee, going up against number 14, Longwood. Tennessee are winning this game. Tennessee are winning this game. They are one of the most efficient offensive teams in the entire country. Granted, a lot of their offensive success has come against teams that are a lot softer defensively. So when they've come up against better defensive teams, they have struggled. So that's something to definitely monitor when looking at the the Tennessee Volunteers, where if they're going up against, let's say they go up against a team like a Ohio State or a team like a Loyola Chicago or a Villanova, they could struggle because of how good, especially Loyola Chicago and Villanova are defensively. That is where they can absolutely struggle to have a real impact. But for now, even even against even against Longwood, who are a very good offensive team by themselves, they can put the ball in the rack. I am still going to say that Tennessee are going to be fine in, in this matchup, but I do want to see how well they look shooting the ball to start because that definitely is a concern about how streaky they can be at times. Yeah. And so the next matchup is Ohio state going up against Loyola Chicago, number seven, Ohio state going up against number 10. You want to say it? Or do you want me to say it? Loyola Chicago is beating Ohio state. I've learned from last year and 2019, I'm not picking against Loyola Chicago in the first nope. in the first round. I'm not doing no. it. No, and I think it also it also comes down to that Ohio State are just not a good basketball team. And I think EJ Liddell has had an unbelievable year. Worth wooden award worthy, to be quite honest. But they are 131st in the country in defensive efficiency while they rank 13th in offensive efficiency. 
That gap is humongous. That is Grand Canyon level. It's huge. It right. It is a huge gap. So when you start, you know, talking about teams that can that can exploit that, Loyola Chicago are such a such an efficient team that they're going to take advantage of that. They're about a thirty nine percent shooting team from three. They're a very good defensive team as well. Ohio State, what they, what they are really going to rely on is EJ Liddell, and what Loyola Chicago are going to rely on is not only Sister Jean because we we love Sister Jean, bless her heart, all aboard the Sister Jean bandwagon, all, all aboard the Sister Jean Express, absolutely. Lucas Williamson, it's going to come down to Lucas Williamson versus EJ Liddell. Who, which star man will make more plays for their respective sides? I think Loyola Chicago do pull this one out. I, I really do. Yeah. I think they I think they're gonna win. I mean, I said it before. Yeah, this, I think we're, so we're both in the same boat. We're both this in the same is boat. like when you said uh Chattanooga is gonna beat Illinois. I'm staking my claim on this one. Loyola Chicago is gonna beat Ohio State. It's not as like drastic as that one, as your prediction, but I think that this one I'm gonna stake, I'm going to stake my claim to. And Definitely. I don't think I don't think it's a bad hill to die on. To be quite honest, no, because I'm right I'm right there with you. And now I know when I look at your bracket on Thursday and I see Loyola Chicago beats Ohio State, I could say, oh yeah, Adam did call that one. He didn't just steal all of my other 60, uh, 63 other picks. I'm not. I know. I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You don't need to get a little defensive. I'm not. I'm going to pick Delaware. No, I'm just kidding. Villanova no. are winning this game. The, the yeah. super the super J rights are are winning this game. Roll pride. I love, I love the I love the blue hens, but Villanova winning this game. And yeah. the one thing about Villanova with in the tournament is how far is Colin Gillespie going to take them? Because I've seen Colin Gillespie be very, very good, and I've seen Colin Gillespie be, be really, really bad. So if Colin Gillespie can be that guy, then Villanova have a chance to go real far in this tournament. I believe so. I agree. And, you know, they're, they're just always good. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Always very, very, very solid. Always, always a bet to, at the very least, make the Elite Eight. That's where I think they're going to be headed this year, once again. All right, we are on to our last region. And this is the Midwest region. And the first one is Kansas. Going up against a, another play-in game 16 seed. Texas Southern versus Texas A&M. No, not that one. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. Yes. Yes. Uh, it really is going to cut. It's really going to come down to how far Oche Abaji takes, takes Kansas. Oche Abaji, Christian Brown. This is going to be the story of Kansas is we've seen Abaji and Brown, especially over the past couple of weeks, kind of slow down a little bit. They had a good tournament in the, in the, in the big 12 tournament. They're going to have to bring that now into March. And I think it all starts with the winner of Texas Southern and then Texas A&M Corpus Christi. And yeah. I think, I think Kansas, Kansas do get that done for the record. I don't see a number one going down this year. Sorry, Virginia, but I, I do not see uh, anybody, anybody being a Virginia. Wow. We're just going to, well, I guess we can, co- we can do that because they're the only ones. So we can call it a Virginia, a Virginia. Yep. Nobody, yeah. Nobody's pulling a Virginia. Nope. Not this year. It's got to be rough for Virginia fans. But anyway, 
Poor Tony uh, Bennett. I know. <laughs> Poor Tony Bennett is right. Not the singer. No, not the singer. Oh, God. That was just so... I just felt so bad for him when that happened. I have to feel bad for him. He's making millions of dollars to be knocked out in the first round as number one seed. Yeah. Listen, you get knocked out by a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament when that has literally never happened before. And the tournament has been around for what? Like 50 years? Found to happen eventually. 60 plus years? Found to happen eventually. May never happen again, but we could say it happened once. And we could say we were alive to say it. Yes. And this is not like the Knicks making the finals as an eight seed. This is like like the gap between one and 16 in college basketball. It's enormous. Yeah. It's gargantuan. David versus Goliath. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. And it, honestly, that's what makes the tournament so much fun. But yeah. also, you know, it's kind of rough when you think about it for oh, the for teams sure. that yeah, uh, sure. teams and the fans. But hey, anyway, I would love to see well, Hofstra here. I would love to see Hofstra get into the tournament and lose by 30. Curious. They're there. Yeah. They're there. Exactly. We were like barely alive the last time Hofstra was in the tournament. Right. We were barely. five. And we got robbed of seeing Hofstra in the tournament. Thank you, COVID. Thank you, COVID. Fucker. So the last eight versus nine of the tournament is San Diego State going up against Creighton. San Diego State, one of the best defensive units in the country, top five defensive team in the entire country, going against the Creighton. Blue Jays from the Big East. Creighton, they are a very, very sneaky little team coming in here. And what I think is going to be very, very interesting with this matchup especially is you have Creighton that are very, very good shooting the ball, 55% from inside the arc, 43% from outside the arc, going up against a San Diego State team that are a bit streaky on the offensive end but are very, very solid defensively. This is a perfect matchup for both teams to try to try to exploit. And I, this could be a very, very close eight, nine matchup indeed. Yep, definitely. And this next matchup should be really interesting. Cause I know a lot of people are very kind of like high on the Richmond spiders. So number five, Iowa going up against number 12, Richmond. What do you got for this one? I'm very sad because I love Iowa. They are covering machines but richmond i i rode i rode them their entire conference championship run i completely rode the richmond spiders and i love both i love both and this is going to be a really really good really good basketball game both teams can really shoot the ball the problem with iowa the, the problem with iowa is they have a lot of human beings on their squad with the last name of McCaffrey. And we all know on the Basement Talk podcast and the Basement Talk podcast fans show how we feel about certain human beings that are called McCaffrey. So and they should I don't know. be taken number one overall in fantasy drafts. Correct. And how unreliable they may be at times. But, oh, but you, in, well, just because they're related doesn't mean that they're unreliable. They have to say that, they have the same last name, therefore they are unreliable, guilty by association. But are they related? No, Christopher no. McCaffrey doesn't have any brothers. No, no, to no, play no. basketball in college. No, they, are not, they are. They are not related. They are not related. But they have the same last name, guilty by association. But this is the most superstitious I've ever seen. You. It is. It is. But Iowa, Iowa are cover kings. 
I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Watch out for Iowa. Watch out for Iowa. They are a team that I really think could make a surprise run to the final four. I, I really think so. That's an interesting shout. Yeah, I think I think they can. I really think they can. And everyone they thought they were going to last year with Luca Garza, but I think you know this team could be this team's good again this year. And it was it was a well coached team. It wasn't just Luca Garza last year. Yeah, and they could score. They could score Iowa since February first. They've registered eighty two or more points in nine games. So including they put a they dropped one hundred and one points on Northwestern, including 65 in the first half, excuse me, 64 in the first half. To put it into perspective, the game before Iowa took on Northwestern was Providence versus Butler. Providence put up 65 points. Butler put up 61 points in an entire game. And Iowa put up 64 points and a half. Yeah, I mean, scoring 100 points in a college basketball game in regulation is unheard of. Yeah, that's a that's really good offensive efficiency. That's something that Iowa do bring to the table. But look out for Richmond. This is not going to be a, a a blowout by any stretch. Richmond are going to hold their own with with Iowa. Yep. All right. Next one is Providence versus South Dakota State. Number four, Providence going up against number thirteen, South Dakota State. Uh, this is interesting. Definitely seeing Providence here in the uh, four seed. They had a really good season this year. A very good season. Very good season for the Providence Friars. Ed Cooley's career really has just revolved around the same old sort of story where they don't have NBA prospects. They don't have five-star recruits. But what they are is they are a gritty, hard-nosed basketball team that just knows how to win games. Five-point win versus Wisconsin. Four-point win versus Texas Tech. Four-point win versus uh, Connecticut. This is a team that wins basketball games no matter how ugly it may be. And that's sometimes what has to happen in March. Sometimes you have to have games that are won a little bit ugly. And that is what Providence is very, very good at. I like the Friars a lot in this spot. And I would I can't wait to potentially see Iowa versus Providence in the next round. That is going to be an unreal game. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. And speaking of teams that play in the state of Iowa, the next matchup is number six, LSU, going up against number 11, Iowa State. And Be- LSU, talk about go ahead, team go ahead, with... Go ahead. Yeah, uh, it's okay. Uh, LSU, talk about another team with a head coaching controversy where LSU is not going to have their head coach. And that is really going to factor into this. Adam, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was getting ready to blurt them out before you could even say it. (laughs) Be wary of LSU because they have the numbers to suggest that LSU are going to be okay. Top five in adjusted defensive efficiency. 51% of their shots made inside the the three-point line. But without Will Wade, I don't know how I feel about LSU. Because before this, I liked LSU. I actually was going to say LSU could be a surprise, make a surprise run to the Elite Eight. But now, now I don't know. Now I don't know. And they, it's an interesting matchup against Iowa State 
because they're Iowa State to me, they're not a real wow team. Coming into the year, they are projected last in the Big 12, and they managed to make the tournament. I'm still very much in the camp that LSU find a way to get it done, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, especially when you have this much turmoil in the LSU camp at this moment in time. So be very careful when, when picking LSU. Yeah. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if this one's an upset as well. I would not be surprised either. I mean, going into the biggest game of your life and the head coach that was with you for the entire way throughout the regular season is just not, isn't there. Yep. It's tough. It's absolutely tough. Yep, and if I know if I know Jake like I think I do, Jake is going to take Iowa State to beat LSU. I think a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people who are in the loop about this are probably mm-hmm. going to take Iowa State over LSU. Agreed. Agreed. And the next matchup is Wisconsin going up against Colgate. I I'm going to reference uh, Basement Talk podcast again, where you guys were just really slandering Wisconsin, saying, "Oh, there's no way that they'll make a run to the Final Four this year." I still don't think that this is a team that's built to go to the final four. I don't. Uh, they have Johnny Davis. They have Brad Davidson, two very, very good players. I just don't think Wisconsin is built to be in the final four. I think that their, their ceiling is probably the sweet 16. Maybe, maybe the elite eight, because I, I think they are good enough to get by Auburn, but are they going to be good enough to get by Kansas or Iowa or Providence. I don't know. I don't know. I, I worry about Wisconsin a little bit and I'm, I'm not going to discount Colgate here either. They've just cut. Co- they're coming off their 15th win in a row. They haven't lost since January 31st. They finished their regular season as the number one offensive efficient team in their conference. Number two defensively in league play. This is a team that scores. This is a team that defends. They are as complete of a 14 seed as you're going to get Colgate. This is going to be a real test for Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin survive, but it's going to be, again, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Do you think this is another one that has potential for an upset where you wouldn't be surprised? Yep. I would not be surprised in the slightest. Okay. Not be surprised in the slightest. I, I may actually take Colgate to beat Wisconsin. I don't know yet. I'm not, I'm not slamming the desk like I was for Chattanooga, but <laughs> I'm saying that there is the potential here. Yes. Okay. Okay. There is the potential. Next one here is our penultimate entry. USC, number seven USC going up against number 10 Miami. This is, this is going to be another one. This will be another really good matchup here. Yes. Yeah. And Miami... Miami just barely skated by. They had a real dogfight in the ACC tournament, namely against Boston College, where Boston College took them to overtime, and then they lost against Duke. Uh, Miami, are, they're a hard-nosed basketball team. They're, they're not going to roll over to a team like, like USC, who have, who have the star power with Isaiah Mobley, brother of Evan Mobley of the Cleveland Cavaliers. The way that the Trojans are going to win and the way that the Trojans do most of their business is they do a lot of their work 
in the paint, in the interior. That's how they get it done. They're also not too shabby from beyond the arc. 41% clip from three, with caveat being when Isaiah Mobley is on the floor. They have to be able to be efficient with and without Isaiah Mobley. I think they have enough to beat Miami here, but I really struggle with USC as, as a team here. I really struggle with the Pac-12 uh, entirely here uh, in, in, this, in this tournament. I also, I also struggle with the Big Ten a little bit. Uh, as well, outside of Iowa, outside of Iowa, who who I I love with my whole heart. Bless them. Of course. Bless and, the Hawkeyes. Yes. Well, I think, I don't know, the Pac-12 is interesting because, and the Big Ten as well, because that's a league full of amazing teams where you had like almost half of the conference getting into the tournament for both, for both of them. And yeah, it's just... Like that kind of play where you're playing, basically you're playing NCAA tournament games on a nightly basis for your entire regular season. I mean, that's got to have an effect on your players. Sure it does. And like it has a positive where it's like you have to, you're growing up against incredible competition on a night to night basis, but also it wears you down as the season goes on. And like, especially playing in the conference tournaments and with all of those games, you know, I can understand your trepidation with the uh, Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And the Big Ten struggled in the, in the tournament last year. Let's let's not forget. Yes, and everybody was like slandering the Big Ten. Like, wow, this conference. Everybody thought the con- the Big Ten is the best conference in the in the entire NCAA. But no, actually, they kind of suck because they were all out early in the tournament. And honestly, yeah. They are, they, they really just didn't perform well. And I don't know. I mean, that's a debate for another day. Like what's the best conference this year It is in the country. It is because if you ask five different people, then you'll, they'll give you each one of them. will give you one of the conferences in the power five. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, if there's a, a conference that I want everyone to just kind of look out for, uh, look at the schools in the mountain West. Mountain West have had a really, really, really strong year. Boise State, Colorado State, really, really, really strong year from from the Mountain West. Yeah, Shane BYU wasn't isn't in the tournament. Big Shane, that would have been fun. You have people at work talking all about that. Provost would have been would have been bouncing. Oh yeah, I'm sure we would have their their stadium is actually really nice. Well, campus is really nice. It is. It's gorgeous. Those Mormons like the decor. No comment. It's very picturesque, though. Yes, it's beautiful. Have you seen their baseball field? Oh my god! I didn't know. I didn't know they had a baseball team at BYU. No. What do you think? It's illegal? Like what no, you- I just I did. I didn't know that Utah was like a hub for baseball players. Well, there is, there isn't the only professional team that we have is the Salt Lake City Bees, who are the AAA affiliate of the Angels. I was going to say, who are they AAA AAA affiliate of? Yeah. You, you, so, you, answered, you answered the question for me, Adam. So actually, when I went to go get my haircut last week, the guy that was cutting my hair was telling me that like his friend got to see Mike Trout play before, before we all did in Salt Lake City, which is pretty cool. That's really cool. No, that's really cool. I like that. Which is the fun thing about uh, minor league ballparks and yeah, minor league teams in general. Yeah, you see some of the younger stars before they're, uh, before they're called up to the show. Yep. But anyway... 
the last little the last matchup here in this region is Auburn going up against Jacksonville State. Auburn will take care of business for Jacksonville State. I worry about Auburn because while they are very, very good in the interior, their guard play has been very, very inconsistent this year. So just keep that in mind when you're when you're considering Auburn and how far they're going to go. They're going to need some superior guard play to really imagine themselves going to the Final Four or maybe to the Elite Eight because you have other teams such, such as Wisconsin, such as um, LSU to an extent. And then we're looking at the other section of the bracket, Providence, Iowa, Kansas, Creighton, even San Diego State have really good guard play, something that Auburn really doesn't have. So that could be an issue for for Auburn as they uh, potentially could go in trying to predict where they're going to go in this tournament. But Jabari Smith, the number two player in the country, in in my imagination, he's going to have to have a standout tournament for for Auburn. Not to mention, you know, if he's going to go into the NBA draft and he wants any hopes of being a number one overall pick over Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith is going to have to ball out. And uh, this is going to be his opportunity to, uh, to do so. Yep. So before we go, since we are not going to hear from you before the start of the tournament, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I want you to answer them. Okay. Biggest upset in round one. Go. Probably Illinois over or Chattanooga over over Illinois. Okay. Uh, biggest sleeper team for the tournament. Biggest sleeper team? That's a fantastic question. Um, there are a lot of choices. There are, there a, are lot a lot of choices. There are a lot of choices. Biggest sleeper team? You know, I'm going to go local, even though I don't live close to there anymore. But I'm going to go local and say Rutgers. Ooh. Okay, so you think they, they get by Notre Dame? Yep. Okay. All right. Um, biggest disappointment? So we'll say uh, out of the top two seeds so out of number one and number two seeds who's the first team you think to go out duke oh okay okay <laughs> um final four who do you got uh i'm putting you, uh, I'm putting you on the, the spot a little bit so if you, you really are because i haven't really thought too much about my bracket at this point but okay all right so I, i'll we'll discount final four discount final four who's your cha- who's your championship and who wins Okay, so my championship is I think as of right Gonzaga, now, as, as of, of right, right now, now, subject to change. Subject to change, I think Gonzaga makes it back again this year, and I think that they're going to go up against Villanova. Ooh, and who wins? Gonzaga. Okay. All right, but that is subject to change. Yeah, absolutely, certainly. Absolutely, that is that's just me putting you on the spot. Yes. So thank you, you know, thank you, you thank that. you for playing along. Well, we will see in the uh, bracket challenge that we do. We will where everything lies. We will. I'll leave. I'll actually leave a link to the bracket challenge in the description of this episode. So anybody who wants who wants to join, uh, go ahead. Feel feel free to join. I'll leave my uh, my Venmo information as well. Twenty bucks per bracket. Uh, send over those Venmos. And um, anybody who wants to join, go ahead, join up. Cool. So excited to talk to you tomorrow.
about football, free agency, very exciting stuff. Yes, we have we'll a lot talk to about talk Tom about. Brady. A certain asshole has come out of retirement. So happy he's back. Oh, why? So happy to see him. I knew it was too good to be true. It was. It was too good to be true. He wanted to see. He wanted to see you really happy, and then only to say, "Psych." It just doesn't make any sense. Psych, bitch. He just spent too much. Like it's just the. It's not even like he got the itch to play during. Like once the regular season started, it's he was home with his wife and kids, <laughs> like he normally is in the off season. He's like, you know what? I'm going back to the NFL. He was, I need something to prepare for. He was home with Giselle for a month and said, nope, I got to go back to the NFL. I'm sick Fuck of this. this. Fuck this shit. I'm out. <laughs> Fuck, this. <laughs> Fuck this shit. I'm out. He's like, man, this is, I play football to avoid this. Yeah. I'm leaving. I'm, he went to go see Ronaldo and look what Ronaldo did. That, that's who you could blame. You could blame Ronaldo. Ronaldo's probably like, I got a guy who'll give you give you that good stuff. That is disgraceful. That is shocking. That is abhorrent. Also, here's how to not pay your taxes. Hey, hey, Ronaldo did something that you lot couldn't do. He showed you how to beat Tottenham. Yeah, but we're still winning the league. Arsenal one foot in the top four confirmed. Up the Arsenal. Up the Arsenal. Great win today, boys. Great win today. Thomas, playing, Thomas Partey time of the Emirates. We're playing tomorrow. Yes, you play, uh, you play Crystal Palace. Another team that we can't fucking beat consistently. You go up, you go up against Man City legend Patrick Vieira. Oh, my God. He is. Vieira. Woo. I'm excited until we play. I'm excited to play Man City legend Frank Lampard. <laughs> Vieira. Woo. He comes from Senegal. He plays for Arsenal. Vieira. Whoa. Vieira. Whoa. Okay, I'm done. I did, I just need to, to shout out my uh, my captain, Patrick Vieira. Yeah, well, you know, Man United might have beaten Tottenham, but we're still 19 points clear of them. And we have but, the nicest point total in the entire Premier League. It's a great point total. It truly is. It's a nice total. It's the nicest. The nicest total. All right. Well, anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basic Talk Podcast. You can find all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For my co-host at Birdsell, I am Adam Caster, and we will talk to you next time tomorrow. Bye-bye.